0: alone, and this is will of the future the podcast where i look to what's next in the world of photography and creativity just a quick note before we get started stick around to the end of this episode for a brand new uh unnamed segment that i'm gonna start doing weekly where i recommend something whether it's a book or a movie or tv or something else every week I love double exposure photography. Why? Double exposure often feels like a hack to create a loaded image. They live at the intersection of form and narrative. Mixing two images from two different moments at two different times basically automatically adds meaning to a photo no matter what, since photography is just usually about a singular moment. But that's a pretty clinical and oversimplified definition. The fact is, is that it's harder to tell a story with a single image successfully, but a double exposure often can be a useful boost. The double exposure technique is also cool and leads to very unpredictable results much of the time. It's experimental. With each image, you can never really know how they will interact with each other. There's sort of a randomness to it depending on what particular double exposure technique you are using. In my 2.5D printing video, I mentioned how the heads with flowers in them double exposures are the lowest of the low creatively. I think those types of photos are an example of the most common usage of double exposure techniques, which feels like it's purely about form rather than a story we are trying to tell. When an artist has a really great reason for a double exposure, I find it super interesting. Of course, I'm really only interested in making them in camera. I like the chaos of it. Double exposures made in Photoshop seem pretty uninteresting to me as they are super clean and not recording actual moments. It's creating meaning, after the fact with two moments that may have no connection to each other other than looking aesthetically pleasing. What a lot of people don't realize is that some modern digital cameras have an in-camera double exposure feature. I'm most familiar with the Nikon one as I've used Nikon my whole career until last year. Nowadays I use the feature in my Fujifilm camera and I kind of like it more than the Nikon version. It's at least easier to use. Sony since it's a boring PC of a camera, has no creative feature like this because it's a boring camera made for boring people, of which I guess I am one since I own one of them and am using them to film this video right now. I have a Nikon N65, which is a film camera, but it also has an in-camera feature that feels very similar to the digital Nikon in-camera double exposure feature. Big fan of a film camera that has a double exposure feature built in, otherwise I feel like I'm breaking the camera when I have to trick the film to not advance. In order for a in-camera double exposure to work, we have to get good at figuring out where the subjects lay in the frame and how we want them to interact with each other. And maybe the first image is your subject and then the second image is your subject again, but upside down. Maybe it's your subject again, but out of focus. My Fujifilm helps make it easier by showing me where things will fit, but my Nikon or Polaroid camera doesn't have such a luxurious feature. But recently, I decided to experiment with a new way of shooting in-camera double exposures. I have a Nikon point-and-shoot camera called Nikon L35AF, which is a fun and extremely frustrating camera to use. It's astoundingly sharp for a point and shoot and I often use it to take photos of family events and stuff like that, but the battery compartment likes to bust open which keeps me from being able to hit the shutter. I have to tape it shut or else the camera just doesn't work just randomly at random times. But I noticed that when I finish a roll it leaves a little tab of film out so a few years ago I decided to just pull out that tab and shoot the roll over again. The results were pretty cool in some cases but there was no line between the frames it was just kind of a visual mess aside from a few lucky shots. And not only that but the problem with the in camera double exposure features I'm used to is that they time out which means I have only a limited amount of time between images. So I thought what if I could shoot A double exposure in two different places. So I had an idea that if I marked exactly where I loaded each roll of film it would make sure that the frames line up instead of just being a long negative strip with no delineation between photos. That way I could shoot 36 or 24 shots depending on the roll of film in one place then hop on a plane reload the roll of film making sure to line it up where I marked it and then I could shoot over it again wherever. So I'm out here shooting the first set of photos um, in South Carolina. These are somewhat random double exposures. There we go. Okay, that's a little too random. I need to, like, focus a little more. Let's see. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That'll be cool. I haven't seen a ton of people do this. I know it has been done. I know there are people that have done it, but you don't see this happen a lot. I also like the idea of black and white because it focuses more heavily on shape. I feel like color can look like a lot of chaos and confusion. Um, And there's probably some cool applications for color in this regard, but I think black and white, for the way I'm thinking about it, might work better because you'll see a lot of the tree shadows. Like, you see, you got all these shadows right here um mixed in with the forms when i reshoot the roll so i think there's something kind of interesting with black and white also let's be real black and white film is much cheaper than color film and i would like to protect my stash of color film at all costs at this point point. and i've always got to watch the wrist strap on this because the wrist strap likes to sneak in front of the lens a lot i notice when i develop film shot with this thing you'll sometimes see like a tab get in there and uh it's really annoying okay so i shot the kent mirror now so i've shot two rolls so we'll see how I'm pretty excited how this set of photos turned out, so much so that I'm planning my next batch already. To me they tell a story about my life over the past few years. At the end of 2018 we moved from Chattanooga to basically the woods in South Carolina. After a year COVID happened I entrenched myself in the small town world. Stopped getting on planes and only drove around to smaller locales like small towns. My world shrank and this year I've started to break out of that a little bit. We went to New York on my first plane ride in three years just a couple weeks ago and I'll be going to LA and some other places here soon as well. But over these past three years, I've changed a lot as a person and a photographer. I also realized that I got a little skittish of the outside world a bit as well. There was safety in my smaller, quieter world, but I started 2023 realizing I needed to break myself out of that feeling new york really helped shake me out of it to me these images look really awesome but they are more than that they're a document of a transition point in my life the woods that i mostly photographed are woods that i've spent a lot of time in during the pandemic despite breaking out of my tiny world i've been living in i now carry around everything i learned and experienced during the small town photo project era all that stuff has now been added to the stew of who Will Malone is. And maybe that's why I like Double Exposure so much. It's because I see experience is all stacked on each other. We are the combinations of our experiences and the world around us. Everything gets mushed together and forms who we are. These types of photos kind of embody that idea. And more on this series and more serieses in the future. I'm now just making a video and podcast every week in the summer of 23 around creativity and art and stuff that gets me excited. These are always kind of anchored by photography, though, since that's where I come from and continue to live. But I'm adding a new segment to these where I recommend a thing, and I'm going to call it Will's Thrills. Just kidding. I'm not going to call it that. as terrible. So uh, I asked ChatGPT, and here's what ChatGPT said I should call it. Uh, Will's Pick of the Week, Malone's Media Must Haves, The Malone Method, Recommends, Will's Wonderful World of Media, Media with Will Malone, Malone's Must See slash Must Read slash Must Listen, Will's Spotlight, Malone's Media Minute, The Malone Recommends Show, and then finally, The Malone Manifesto, Media Edition. These are pretty bad. I think I'm just going to call it Recommendations. So, in this week's Recommendations, I have two books for you, since I was planning to start this segment last week and ran out of time to film it. First book is called Good to Great by Jim Collins. This is a book I read a while back and have some friends who have been talking about it recently. I decided to reread it, and while many of the business examples about businesses like Wells Fargo and Circuit City are kind of outdated, it's a worthwhile book that uses data to boil down attributes of how a company goes from middling to great, as the title states. The next book is legendary music producer Rick Rubin's The Creative Act, A Way of Being. It's a great examination of the creative process by someone who has worked with and observed the most creative minds in human history. Every time I cracked it open, I had to make sure I was ready to take notes because it's just packed with tons of great reminders of the trials and tribulations of a creative life. That's it for today. So thanks for watching and or listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing here, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram at Will Malone, Twitter at Will Malone 365, and you can check out my website over at willmalone.com.